Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Sports Network, presented by betonline.ag. This is going to be the preseason recap edition of our podcast. We're going to talk about what went wrong during preseason for the Portland Trail Blazers, and if it's actually something to worry about or something that the team will figure out once the regular season kicks off. This is actually our second recording of this episode. The audio was messed up up in the first version so we're going to re-rack things here i'm uh, i'm here with steven vaughn my co-host i'm tory jones steven how's things going man uh it's going good man i i like how you worded it as what went wrong in the preseason and not like what went right and went wrong because there wasn't really much that went right i don't know how you feel but i really don't feel like a lot went right for the blazers in the preseason the one, the one positive was Shaden Sharp. I think we can touch upon that just to talk about something good, because otherwise it was a bit of a struggle. It was much like the preseason of last year for the Portland Trailblazers, and we're going to have a debate on whether we think that will extrapolate out into regular season basketball. That's also a struggle. All right, uh, last season was a bit of a mixed bag to start the season. At this point, I think a lot of Blazer fans are hoping for just that. So uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. Football is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head online to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Steven, honestly, I think you got to start with the defense. The defense was a struggle. The defense is the main thing that the Blazers need to figure out how to fix going into this year after the past few seasons have seen them be a bottom tier defense in the league. Their final preseason game, they give up 131 points to the Golden State Warriors. They gave up 126 to the Sacramento Kings, a Kings team that played bench guys, a Warriors team that didn't even play their starters. These neither of these teams were full strength and they were still dropping 126 and 131 points on the Blazers poorest defense. So you did a Twitter thread. And by the way, I'll plug your Twitter at Stephen Vaughn, Stephen underscore V-O-N. I'm at Tory Jones, Y-T-T-O-R-E-Y Jones, Y-T. Follow us on Twitter. But Stephen, you did a Twitter thread breaking down some of the defensive mistakes. You looked at a lot of the film. So we'll start things off with... What do you think was what, what do you think went wrong for the Portland Trailblazers defense during preseason? Did it just look like last year's? Did you notice new things? Or is this just the same old crap that Blazer fans are used to seeing on the defensive end? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything. All of those combined as one. But, you know, I watched the jazz film over and over and was watching a lot of the pick and roll defense. That's what I was really looking for. I wanted to see if they were trying to get aggressive or if they were falling back, or what they were doing. And what it was, Tori, is they were just switching everything. And I understand that switching in the NBA is great. Like, it can work out really well, depending on who your team is, depending on who you got on your roster. But when I'm in the preseason, like, I don't want to see switching, because when you're a basketball player, and you switch, it's you're not working on anything. All you're doing is working on man-to-man defense, it's not hard to do. It's not hard to switch. And the Blazers were making it hard to like made it look hard to switch. Like that's the troublesome part. Is that all you're doing is you're switching up and then you're guarding the guy. Where I want to see guys, you know, hard hedge, I want to see him soft hedge, I want to see a trap. I want to see something different from the Blazers, but it was a lot of switching and then it wasn't working. It was switching and they get a big on a little, the little issue the three, or they get the bit or they they get their big on our little, and they would get the post up. So you know, I, I wasn't impressed at all with the defense, and especially that last game against the Warriors. You know, you give up 131 to a team that doesn't start Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green. Everybody's out, and they're still giving up points. The Blazers, all they had was Dame sit out, and they couldn't do anything. So it really seems like it's the same old thing, man. Like, 
Blazers give up a lot of points, and the Blazers lose. Only way for the Blazers to win is if they score a lot of points. They're never going to stop teams, and that's just something that I want to get over with. I want the Blazers to get better on the defensive end. I don't know that it's going to be here, and a lot of it for me, Tori, goes back to, is Chauncey Billups a good coach? It's something we don't know. I've talked about this before. Last season is hard to really grade him because we the Blazers weren't trying to win, right? Like they were trying to lose. So you can't really judge him. But from what he has done when he was trying to win in the preseason, I have not liked what I've what I've seen. It looks really unorganized. That's the way I define it as. And what I mean by that is a lot of guys at a position in the help side. You've noticed this, Tori. You guys have broken down over your channel, Blazers Uprise, like. People are out of position defensively in the help position. I think that's all organization. That's all mental stuff. It's not physical stuff. That's mental stuff that you're not recognizing, that you're not understanding. And we saw when old players were here, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, they were out of position and they're known to be good defenders. So a lot of it, that goes to Chauncey Billups, I think. And so I'm really worried about Chauncey. And I've had a high opinion of him. I think that he can be good. But man, this preseason has really, really put a lot of doubt in me. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing that doesn't make sense when you add up all the issues and the way this team was built. Because Chauncey loved his aggressive defense last year. He trapped a lot of screens. He hedged a lot of screens. It didn't really work out. But as you said, it was due to mostly guys being out of position behind that. Guys not being in the right help side positions. Guys not rotating quick enough. And when you play aggressively on the perimeter, you're going to give up some buckets. You hope that you can force some turnovers, though, and make up for it by getting out, running, getting easy buckets in transition. But... The Blazers just just did not execute it well last year, and if you listen to Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups and some of the hints they drop, it seems like they thought that was due to some of the personnel. So they go out in the past few months, and they build a team with some different defensive pieces, but they build a team that's built to play aggressive defense. It's not a team that is built to switch, okay? You, you have potentially three guards. I don't know if you consider Josh Hart a guard, but Josh Hart's going to be the starting small forward to enter the season. It's still an undersized team. Undersized teams are not usually built to switch. You give up size in post-up situations, but then also it's not a situation where you want to switch Damian Lillard or Anthony Simons onto some of the bigger forwards in the league. Uh, this team is is one of the worst teams to switch with and probably the entire NBA. It doesn't make sense. It's not built like that. Okay, so they built this team to play aggressive defense. If you're small, you're quicker. If you're small, you should play to your strengths. Playing to your strengths as a small team would be playing an aggressive defense, flying around behind the ball, getting up into ball handlers. You're able to cover ground more usually when you're a smaller team because you got quicker players. So they did things aggressively last season. It was an issue, supposedly due to personnel. Then they supposedly fixed that personnel and build a team to play aggressive defense once again. And then also in Summer League, you saw them play aggressive defense, and it actually worked in Summer League. Now, Summer League and the NBA, two different things, but they still played an aggressive defense, won a Summer League championship. All of a sudden, they're switching and playing conservative. I saw some drop scheme in the preseason. I didn't see the aggressive defense I was expecting, and I'm baffled by it because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up with everything leading up to this point. And as you said, you don't got to work on switching. So that's the thing that I'm confused on. Do you think they are saving something? Like, what do you, what do you think is, is missing there? Because that doesn't add up to me. Yeah, dude, that's the worrisome part, right? Like, maybe they are. Maybe I'm just overreacting and this is preseason and you look at the Bucks were winless in preseason. Uh, you know, maybe it's just the preseason the Blazers just don't care. But even that is worrisome to me. Like after the season that the Blazers had, I wanted to see a little bit of sense of urgency. I wanted to see a little bit of organization. I have not seen it. So with Chauncey, man, like I, I would, I would love to see Chauncey come out and be aggressive in one of these preseason games, and he wasn't. And then after the Warriors game, in his post game presser, I know he's not going to trash the team, but he said they played well. well no, you didn't. You gave up 131 to the Warriors who weren't playing any of their guys. You just lost by 30 points to them. And you just lost by 30 points to the Kings. Like, you're not playing well. And it's okay to say it. And if this is the way it goes, Tori, like, the Blazers started the season is rough, man. I don't want... The Blazers could be in a spot where if this continues into the regular season, it's not just a preseason thing. 
they're going to get out to a really bad record at the start of the year. And people are going to be wondering, well, maybe Chauncey can't coach. And maybe Chauncey isn't the guy. I'm still going to hold out hope for it. But man, it's it's getting close to that point where I'm saying Chauncey might not be that guy. And to think about it this way, Chauncey's kind of the last thing about Neil Olshay, right? Like the last thing Neil Olshay's had his hands on is kind of, it's Chauncey, it's Dame, it's Nurk, it's Ant. But like Chauncey was the last hire that Olshay made before he, before he got bounced. Like, man, if it doesn't work out quick early in the season, I just, you can't fire him because then you'd be paying three coaches on the team, but it'd just be bad. And, and I'm afraid that Chauncey may not be that guy because he just doesn't seem like he has that fire in her right now to get underneath these guys and make him play hard, especially when you got a lot of vets in this team. Are they going to want to play aggressive style defense? I don't know that they have. They want to. They never have in their career. I will say this. He has shown flashes of getting his teams to play the way that he wants to play. They look just like this in preseason last year. Then they come out the first 10 games at home. They they were 10-1, the first 11 games at home to start the season. They lost the first one. Then they won a bunch of games at home, beating some good teams, blowing out some good teams, the Phoenix Suns, the Memphis Grizzlies, because they were playing both sides of the basketball. And that was with Damian Lillard struggling to start last season too. And you saw immediate results at least at home on the road it was like completely different i've never seen a team before be so night and day between home and road on the road no attention to detail no effort no focus no defense whatsoever they lost to bad teams they lost to teams missing key players it was not good now the four game winning streak before the all-star break you can't read too much into that but the style of play that Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, Justice Winslow and Yusuf Nurkic played with during that four game winning streak I've always thought is a good brand of basketball to play play hard defensively move the ball make the right cuts make the right read don't dribble the air out of the ball that sort of thing that's that's what I've dubbed as Chauncey ball the type of basketball that that team played during that winning streak now four games small sample can't read too much into it but I think the the style of play is obvious that Chauncey likes I just hope that he hasn't gone away from it because he's overthinking things or he doesn't think this team can play it that's where we're going to find out once the regular season kicks off is, is this preseason something that you can read into? Because this has not been the same style of play as we saw when we had a little bit of success last year. Cause obviously last year sucked, which was the first 11 games at home, the four game winning streak before the all-star break. Now preseason was just the same last year as it has been this year. And as I said, they came out and won 10 of their first 11 games at home. The one thing about this schedule, it is very tough, especially once you get into November, but five of the first seven games are at home. The only two road games are against the Kings, which the Kings look good when we played them, but I still am not fully in on them being a playoff caliber team. And then the third game of the year against the Lakers, they've been a mess. They lost tonight to the Minnesota Timberwolves while playing... LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook, the Timberwolves rested Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Timberwolves still took care of business. So I think those are two winnable road games. If this team can replicate what they did last year in terms of their crappy preseason, but then come in at least at home and play the right way and play hard enough, then maybe it's a situation seven games in after five at home where this team has a little bit of momentum and then they actually carry it on the road. That's my optimistic viewpoint is I don't think that this team is incapable of being okay defensively it's just a lot of mental mistakes some effort mistakes during preseason a lot of fixable stuff but stuff that has plagued this team for a while now no matter who's on the roster so it could go bad to start the season but at least we have some home games and we can see if it can replicate some of the home success we had last year to start the season. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the success they had and it was how you would call, you know, quote unquote, Chauncey Ball. I got a couple of questions for you off of that, Tori. Like, let's, how confident are you that the Blazers are going to play Chauncey Ball going into the season? Uh, just based off the preseason, like like a one of to ten scale, do you think it's a, you know, you're, co- you're ten confident they think they're going to be a Chauncey Ball or it's going to be a one confident like they played this preseason right now? I'm about at a four or five. I think you'll see it inconsistently. And I think that's what you saw in terms of the offensive ball movement, player movement stuff is this team has to learn how to play that brand naturally. They're not used to it. So that's going to take some time. So 
I think they can maybe get there on a consistent basis, but I think we'll be inconsistent to start the season. And then defensively, I once you get Gary Payne the second back, I think you need him to be the heart and soul of the defense, that tone setter, that guy that gives you a spark. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about him, but uh, that that's where I'm at, a four or five. What about you? Yeah, I, uh, I'm a little more nervous about it. I, I'm not confident at all. I'd be more like a seven or eight. I don't think that they're going to be playing Chauncey Ball at all. Or did I just do it the wrong way? One would be the least I think confident. you did it the wrong I, way. I did the wrong yeah, way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so like a two or a three. Yeah, like two or three, I'd be confident. Like, I'm not confident in this team. And I need to see it out of Chauncey Ball before I can put any trust in him that he kind of knows what he's doing as a head coach. Uh, you know, I haven't seen it. And it definitely has not shown up in the preseason. So then off of that question, Tori, if they don't play Chauncey Ball and they go back to how, you know, a very unorganized type of defense, the way they play defense with a lot of switching uh, just not a lot of, of aggressiveness. Can they win ball games, or is this team going to be bad? I mean, they can always win ball games by putting 130 on the board themselves, and they do have the offensive talent for that. Uh, but in order to be a really good team, you got to be able to play both sides of the ball. You got to be able to win games when you have an off night on offense. That's what the best teams do. So I don't think this team is anything but a bottom five or six defense if they switch all the time. I think if you if you run some different stuff, you have a chance to be better, and maybe it won't be better if guys aren't really focused or locked in mentally or, or playing hard enough, but you do have more upside on that end. So I'm finger, fingers crossed right now, man, that they, they don't... Chauncey, if you're listening, please don't just switch everything to start the season. I don't know why you would or why you did in the preseason. Hopefully... You're just letting things, you know, like not showing things and hopefully you're going to go back to that style of basketball you want them to play. But switching everything is not the way to go. I feel like he should know that. And if he doesn't, then yeah, I'm worried. Yeah, to kind of end this point with the defense, man, um, you know, against that Jazz, in the Jazz game, you know, I tracked down how many times they did it. And uh, the Jazz offense, they got a shot, basically, uh, they got 42 shots off of a pick and roll, whether it was directly off that pick and roll or a play rooted by the pick and roll to get a switch. And the Blazers switched 20 of the 42 times. So almost 50% of the time, it was just a basic switch. That is obviously not going to get it done with this team. You know, I know that you talked about Gary Payton in the second, how he could be almost, you know, kind of like the savior of the defense. I think that's a lot to put on a guy that really has played in 50 meaningful games for one of the best teams, you know, in recent history, right? Like the Warriors dynasty has been a great franchise. He was just a a little part of that and now he's going to come into Portland and kind of be that guy the main defender I think it's gonna to be tough for Portland to really just rely on one guy but man the switch is not gonna work man yeah well let me just say this about GP2 man I feel like every good defense has a heart and soul of their defense somebody that's like the emotional leader of the defense last year I felt like the Portland Trailblazers did not have that and I talked throughout last season about how they needed to find a dog on defense, a guy that'll go out there and compete consistently and set the tone from an effort and hustle and mentality standpoint. That's why I like Gary Payton II on this team is because I feel like he can be that guy to set the tone for everybody else, right? Um, especially off the bench, I think is a situation where he should be the first sub in. And if things are going bad defensively to start a game... Whoever's the worst out of the three perimeter starters between Dame Ant and Josh Hart, three, four minutes into a game, if they're not playing defense, you sub the worst defender during that first three or four minutes out for Gary Payton the second. And you try and get a spark from that. You try and change the dynamic of the game from the defensive end by subbing him in the game. Yes, it's a lot to ask from one guy, but I don't know, man. Like you played basketball, I played basketball. When you see a teammate get a big stop or make a big defensive play on, you know, especially a good player, but just in general, I always felt like that gave me a little bit of energy myself. I always felt like the game could kind of swing if somebody made a defensive play or two. So that's my hope with Gary Payton II is he can be that spark and he can be that guy that's the heart and soul of the defense because you look at Boston, it's Marcus Smart. You look at Golden State, it's Draymond. You look at Memphis, it's Dylan Brooks. A lot of these teams have that guy. And uh, I'm just fingers crossed that Gary Payton II can be that guy, man. I just, I don't know when he's going to be able to play an unlimited amount of minutes or, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game. He might be on a pitch count. That's 
you know, he, he might not be back before the start of the regular season as he's recovering from that core injury. So I think the Blazers desperately need him. I I just, I don't know if he can solve all the problems, but I do think you need that hard soul. Yeah, no doubt, man. You know, uh, analytics will tell you that momentum's not a thing, but you know, I don't believe that. And I'm a big analytics guy. I love stats. I love to look at all those kind of things and take the percentages, but there is momentum in sports. And that's, I don't think that's really debatable. Like anyone that's played knows that, like you said, one big defensive stop can make a run and the home court can make a run as well. The thing I do worry about though, Tory with GP2 is, you know, this was a guy that was almost out of the league. And I'd like Gary Payton the second as a player. I always thought he could play in the NBA if he got the right spot. He got the right spot in Golden State. Is it the right spot in Portland? Right When you have Steph and you have Clay and you have Draymond kind of running that offense and the GPs who play it off them is one thing. But now you come into Portland where they're not going to run the same system. They're not going to be running Dame off of a bunch of screens. It's going to be a lot of, you know, Gary Payton II standing in the corner having to make a nice cut every single time. But that doesn't work all the time. So how does he adapt offensively? Defensively, I have no problem with him. I think he's going to be great defensively. I don't think he'll solve all the problems. I think he'll be good on that side. But offensively, it's going to be tough to fit in with his Blazer team. And I think right now when he was in Golden State, it was the perfect spot for them because there's so much attention on Steph and all these guys. I know Dame's going to get a lot of attention, but it's really putting a lot on Dame. It's really putting a lot on everyone else and Gary Payton the second to get in the right spots. I, I need to see it first, man. I, it's not the best fit for me, but you know I like him as a player and I'm hoping for the best. I just have a lot of questions about it. Yeah, I, I think offensively in Portland, he might be okay playing much like Justice Winslow has in the past, last season, where Justice Winslow thrived next to Nurkic uh, the few games they played together because he played a lot in the dunker spot. Nurkic would short roll, have these dump-off passes underneath. Like, he cut baseline a lot. He was just always in the right spot as an off-ball offensive player. And Justice Winslow, he couldn't shoot the ball, but he's been a guy who's had good chemistry with Yusuf Nurkic and has been able to make up for it by being in the right spot offensively. Golden State used Gary Payton II a lot last year in the dunker spot, getting dump-off passes around the block. And honestly, they used him as a role man. They used him like a big man offensively. So... That's what he is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what he is. At six foot two, that's what he is. So if he can find the niche offensively that Justice Winslow seems to have found, at least when he's on the court next to Yusuf Nurkic, I think it could be okay. But then the other reason why he like got back into the league was that three point percentage. He got it up. He was shooting thirty six percent last year from three. So he needs to continue to at least be serviceable from behind the three point arc. Those two things happen. I think he's just fine in Portland offensively, but um, neither one is a certain thing, and that three-point percentage is going to be a big thing I'm watching. Yeah, final point I want to make before, hopefully we talk about something positive. Uh, But with GP2, man, offensively, you look at the Warriors, and you even saw the preseason game. They didn't start any of their guys. They're playing Dante DiVincenzo. They're playing the young guys, Moody, Kaminga. But it's the system, right? They're still running that system, even without Steph, without Jordan Poole. Can Gary Payton come in and fit the Blazers when they don't even have a system? Yeah. Right? Like well, they, the, they the Blazers got to find a system. That's they the got to find a system. <laughs> and, and GP2, like you just said, he does certain things really well, but he's not a versatile player, right? Like he's a he's a 6'2 big guy. That's, that's basically what he is, especially on the offensive end. So the Blazers need to have a system. He came from the best system in the league now to a team that hasn't had a system in years. So I think that's uh, that's going to be really interesting to watch yeah. going forward. Well, to start a system from scratch, starting in training camp, how long do you think it takes to get that system mostly implemented and get the players on the team uh, running that system smoothly or doing the right things? Especially if it's something where it's not just a completely set offensive structure where they're always running set plays and whatnot because that's the thing golden state freelance as well but i think it takes even longer to learn how to do that in playoff guys so how long do you think it, it takes to establish an offensive system like that yeah so like how long am i willing to give this team like a, another benefit of the doubt at the start of the year before i'm like all right i gotta be critical i would say probably about 20 games 25 games i mean these guys are pros there's a lot of vets on this team that should be able to adapt. And if they want to win, they got to change up their style. The way they were doing wasn't working. So, you know, I'm willing to give it a little bit. I'm willing to give it 20, 25 games, about a fourth of the year. And if it's not clicking by then, 
you know, I have a lot of questions about just what these guys' desires are because they got to be able to, you know, fulfill that and change the way they play. It hasn't worked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's also why I'm not too upset at preseason like some other fans are because I don't think you're going to be able to tell if they're going to be able to do that offensive system or not or establish a better offensive system than they've had in the past based off five preseason games, one of which was against Maccabi where they didn't play anybody meaningful. Dame didn't play in the last game. Like these guys actually haven't had that many reps together. So uh, I'm, I'm with you 20 to 25 games is a good amount of time to give this team to figure it out offensively. I'm not worried about the offense. Even if the system's rough, you still got Dame, you still got Ant. So even if it's an isolation-heavy system, no ball movement and whatnot, it still could be a top-10 offense because you have offensive talent. It's just, if the defense isn't going to get much better, you're going to need that offense to be top three, top four in order to make the playoffs. So I don't I don't know if it can get there. Let me ask you one question. And based off just expectations you had going into the season, you know, I believe you probably thought the Blazers... Anywhere from six to eight, I would guess, in the Western Conference. Is that right? Probably around there. Yeah, about seven or eight. Seven or eight. Let's just say that. Uh, based on the off the preseason, did it change your expectations any? No, my expectations for a couple other teams changed a little bit. Like I'm a little higher on Sacramento now. I think Sacramento has a chance of being better than Portland. Uh, whereas before, I was saying no. Um, but in terms of the Blazers themselves and how good they could be, this hasn't really changed anything for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I had him at 10 going into the preseason. I would still pick him at 10. Like, I think I think there's nine teams that are clearly better than Portland in the Western Conference, and I have Sacramento right behind them. I think that if you give them and the Kings are going to be keep competing for that 10 spot in the play-in tournament, um, and the Kings really want it, where I don't necessarily know if Portland is necessarily going to want that 10 seed. So uh, it'll be uh, interesting going in, but nothing, nothing changed for me. Nothing changed for me in the preseason. I... I lost a little faith right now, and my confidence is hurting a little bit under, for Chauncey Billups, uh, but I'm not fully ready to commit anything based off this preseason. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is, like, fans will be down on this Blazer team because of preseason, but how much are they paying attention to other teams' preseasons? I'm not. I'm looking at things right now. The Lakers are 1-4. and four. The Lakers are a mess. I have Portland above the Lakers. Yeah, I don't. I think I think if LeBron's healthy, if AD is healthy, which he never is, but I have to go off that they're healthy right now. I think they're the Lakers have the two best players out of both teams. I think LeBron and AD are better when healthy than Dame when healthy. So I would have to give it to the Lakers. The problem is, man, they've been healthy in the preseason for some of these games. Just like Portland has put out some starters against you know the Warriors bench lineup. They didn't have Dame, but they had everyone else, and they got cooked. The Lakers have been bad when they've played AD, LeBron, and Russ in the preseason. So that's the thing for all all the fans that like buy into preseason. Okay, well, the Lakers don't look too good at all right now either. I mean, they, they started LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook tonight, and they let Nas Reed score 22 points on them in 27 minutes on over 50% shooting. Like, defensively, that team is not good either anymore, and their offensive role players don't fit. And then you got Westbrook plus Beverly. Beverly tried to get the team to huddle during a free throw tonight. Westbrook didn't want to join it. Like, I don't think that team stays together from a chemistry department. That's the one thing with Portland is, like, I think this team, even if they struggle, I don't think this team will absolutely fall apart. The Lakers, I, I have a feeling they're going to fall apart from a chemistry standpoint and, and just some of the problems they have on that team. Yeah, I mean, you look at it last year, I would say the Lakers probably fell apart, right? Like, uh, that just their record from last season. I'm, I'm just looking it up real quick here. Um, let's they see, were well, not a playing team. Yeah, they even. weren't even a playing team. Uh, let's see. Come on here. Uh, but whatever it is, you know, 30-something wins. That's the thing is they were bad and the chemistry was bad and they weren't healthy and they still, like, barely missed out on the playoffs where – or the play-in, you know. So I, I think if the Blazers or the Lakers just show any type of chemistry at all, whether it's the start of the year or the end of the year, 30, they're 33 and 49. They were game out of the play-in last year uh, and they had terrible chemistry and everyone hated each other. Can it be that bad again? Of course it could be. And this team really does have bottom-out potential. But I think Portland has bottom-out potential too. We saw it last year with Dave going down, and it was the end of the season. So, uh, you know, I, I think they're right around the same. I think the Lakers are just a little bit better. But uh, it raises me to see what will happen this year. 
Yep, and we'll have a preview stream about a week from now where we discuss some other teams in the West and where they slot in um, to preview the season. We'll also preview the Blazers versus Kings opening night game and talk about what we want to see from that. That'll be coming up um, probably Monday next week, Sunday, Monday, sometime around then. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but I want to talk about something positive, Stephen. Okay, I just <laughs> I just dropped a video on my YouTube channel Blazers Uprise saying that Shaden Sharp was NBA ready and had a couple things that I noticed from him that I talked about in that video, but I'm not going to say them. I want to see what you have to say and if it matches up with my interpretation of his preseason, especially the past couple of games. So how are you feeling about Shane Sharp? Did he surprise you like positively? Were you more impressed than you thought you would be? Or is this what you expected from him? Yeah, you know, with Shane Sharp, um, you know, he you talked about my Twitter thread of defensive videos. That was the one that got all the all the you know the fight back with people. People would fight back telling me that Shane Sharp was playing, you know, whether it was bad defense or good defense or okay defense. I said it was bad defense. I had terrible defense on the play. And I'm not saying that he's a terrible defender, just that one play he was playing bad defense. But I will say just throughout the preseason from that Jazz game to the Kings game to the Warriors game, like he showed improvement on the defensive side, right? Like I would say, I was talking to my guy, Peter Sampson over at 750 the game today. We were talking about Shane Sharp. I said, the thing about Shane Sharp is he is an elite athlete, like an elite, elite athlete. We saw that on display with the alley-oop, but he's also a very high IQ basketball player. Right, He makes the right cuts when he has to. He spots up when he has to. Defensively, he was moving his feet in certain situations that were really helpful. And so that's how you know like this guy could really be a really good player. right? I think at the lowest form, he's a guy that's going to get buckets. Will it help a team? Will it not? I don't know. Some guys can just get buckets. It doesn't help anybody. But the guys that are really successful get buckets, help out their team. And a lot of it is they're 6'6", and they're athletic, and they have a high IQ. I think Shane Sharp's showing the potential of having a high IQ and being that elite athlete, which is the combination you need to be a star in this league. Is he ready to take on a 20-minute-a-game role? I don't know. It remains to be seen because that is just preseason. But with that said and watching the preseason, Tori, I want to see him play 15, 20 minutes a night every single night. The Blazers, for them to take any type of step up, it's going to be with Shaden Sharp in the starting lineup at some point when he's a superstar. That's when the Blazers get to that next level is because of him. So I want to see it. I want to see the progression. And the Blazers really can't mess this up, man, because he's the, he's the one young guy with all-star potential on this team. I don't think Avery Simons is an all-star. I think Shaden Sharp can't be an all-star. Well, that's what surprised me, man, is for a kid that didn't play in college, some people question some of his pre-draft interviews and maybe his IQ based off of that, which I thought was blasphemous, but some people did. I wasn't expecting him to look like a high IQ player in preseason when the highest level of basketball he played was on the EYBL circuit, basically playing high school AAU. High level, but it's not even college, let alone the NBA. So I was pleasantly surprised by some of the cuts he made. I had a tweet last night. That said, how is the kid who didn't play in college the best cutter on the team? Because last night, he, he, he had a number of great cuts. He had a backdoor cut for a lob. He had a cut where I think Yusuf Nurkic fed him the ball and he just jumps into defender's chest and hangs there for an hour and finishes. Yeah, on, the, right? on that one specifically, if you watch that replay, Moses Booty comes out to the three-point line and Sharp had already left. Like he mm -hmm. delayed it one that one extra tick and then he cut and Moody went straight to the three-point line, and Sharp was already by him. Like, yeah. that's the IQ that we're talking about. Yeah, I was... That's the thing, man, is going into this, I was worried that, okay, well, he might show some flashes of shot creation, right? That's where all the upside lies, is him being able to create his own shot. But it's probably not going to be there yet to just consistently give him the ball. And I was worried that it was going to be a situation where he didn't know how to play off the ball or cut or do anything valuable without the ball in his hands. And in that case, I was worried that maybe you could not play him any sort of minutes to start the season that mattered. But I thought the cutting and the defense, that's the two things that I listed in that video. So I, you didn't watch it, did you? You didn't watch it. Okay, cool. So I'm glad we're on the same page there. The cutting and the defense, I think has helped him earn minutes. 
not just get minutes because he's a developmental piece, but I think he's actually earned minutes because he's moved his feet in certain certain situations. He's going to make mistakes. He's a rookie, didn't play in college. Like, that's a given. I just wanted to see positive flashes this preseason. I thought he showed those. He was quicker laterally than I thought, quicker with his feet. Uh, first defensive possession, he slid his feet and stayed in front of Reggie Jackson, who's one of the quicker, craftier guard scorers in the league. Um, and then the block shots and all that, and then the cutting. Like, I think he can be a role player that doesn't hurt the team right away, and that'll help him grow into his upside even quicker. What do you think he is as a defender, as a rookie? Because usually rookies, when they come into the NBA... They're not even positive defenders, right? They're either average or bad. Um, do you think he'd be an average defender coming off the bench, or would he be more of like a below average defender uh, just coming in? Because I'm with you. I think he, I think he has the potential to be a really good defender. Um, he obviously has made some really good plays, but he also made some mistakes as well. So I think just being a rookie, it's going to be tough to ask him to be an average defender coming in. But I do think he'll make some flashes, but I think he'll be below average just like as a uh, accumulation of the season. Well, here's the thing. If he's a little below average, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's good for the Blazers? That's good. For, not only is that good for the Blazers, but that's good given the fact that he has so much offensive upside. Normally, when you get guys with his level of star potential into games their rookie season, they're horrible defensively. Yeah, yeah. Like... Because normally they've gotten by based on their offensive game, their offensive upside, not on their defense, and then they're also a rookie, and the game moves too fast for them, and they can't keep up on the defensive end, and they're just an absolute mess. So even if he's a little bit below average, that's better than a lot of rookies with his level of upside. So I would be happy with a little bit below average, and a little bit below average would be great for this Blazers team as a whole in general. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's any chance that the Blazers are going to play Keon Johnson more minutes than Shane Sharp at the start of the year? I don't think if they, Keon if, Tori, plays. If they, if they do, I am going to freak out. I don't think Keon out. plays, man. He better not. I, just, I, 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 I think, I don't know, man. I think Gary Payton II gets his minutes from the preseason. I like, once so. Gary Payton the so. second's back. Because I said this for Keon. Like, he's a good insurance piece because he can kind of be your poor man's Gary Payton the second. He's not the same type of player, but he's an athlete. Supposedly a good defensive piece. I mean, he subbed in for Damian Lillard against the Warriors into the starting lineup, and it didn't make a difference. They gave up 35 in the first quarter. Uh, so, I don't know if his defense is as much as people hype it up to be. But, like, he can play that athletic defensive role that Gary Payton the second plays. So I always felt like he was Gary Payton the second's backup with Gary Payton the second back. Whenever he comes back, I think Keon Johnson doesn't play and he shouldn't. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know if he plays over Shaden Sharp, man, to start the season, I'm going to be frustrated because he's, he's not a good enough defender to justify it. If he was a Gary Payton, the second level defender. Okay. I understand I just don't think, I think he's an okay defensive player, can have good moments, but offensively, he's also kind of the same way. He's not a proven shooter, and then it's hard to figure out if he's a shooting guard or a point guard or a combo guard, or can he actually run the team consistently? He has some bad turnovers, but then he'll throw a lob to Shaden Sharp in that in that Warriors game. Like He's just a, such a mixed bag on both ends of the court that you just, you got to go with the upside. Yeah, no doubt. I, I I totally agree with you, and uh, I'm glad you think that way. It's it seems like Keon's kind of I'm not gonna say the preseason darling, you know, but I think he got a lot of a lot of love from fans this preseason because he had a, he had a solid preseason. I'm not gonna lie, and uh, you know, he got that contract extension to get extended for another year on the rookie deal. But yeah, I mean, you look potentially, you talk potential, like Jaden Sharp is has way more potential than Keon Johnson does at basically every part of the game. And so for me, it's like it kind of comes down to those two. We'll be fighting out for some minutes. And I mean, again, there's another thing on Chauncey. If Chauncey can't see it and Chauncey's playing Keon Johnson or Shane Sharp, man, I don't, I don't know about that. Yep. Let's talk Nasir Little for a little bit. Are you worried about him or is this just, you know, he, he wasn't healthy until training camp and probably is out of shape and just needs time to ramp things back up? Where do you lie on that? No, I, I'm worried, man. I'm worried. I, and the thing is, is I've I've never been a huge fan of Nasir Little. I, I see the athleticism. I see the size. I see the strength. 
But we talked about Shane Sharp with his IQ. Nasir Little's the opposite. He has all the athletic ability you want, but the IQ just isn't there. And I think that has to do a lot with his consistency. He's very inconsistent. But defensively, he's terrible off the ball. He always has been. And he didn't show any type of improvement this preseason. Yeah. I think on the on the ball, he can be fine. But off the ball is where it's dangerous. And if you can't play off the ball, there's, teams are going to find ways to get you off the ball and make a play. Right. And so for me, he's not a good enough offensive player to be so bad defensively in help side that he get that he deserves to get a big time contract. And this that's the thing is him going into a contract year, I kind of thought, well, maybe he's gonna have a big year and he's gonna play really inspired and play motivated and have a great shooting year, but I haven't seen any in the preseason and I think you know I'm I I don't know that I'm worried about it because this is kind of what I thought Nasir Little was. I just think he's not he's not a great NBA player. He's a role player off the bench, best case scenario, and that's kind of what he is. Yeah, I'm worried about his off-ball defense. Everything else I'm not really worried about because right now I think he is out of shape and he looks out of shape. So, you know, as you said, he doesn't look inspired, but I think that's more so due to him just not being able to stay in anything close to playing shape as he recovered from the core injury that he just got healthy from. So, But that's, but that's the go- other thing is he can't stay healthy. Like, I don't I don't like to knock him for not staying healthy, but the, the, the dude's never been able to stay healthy in his whole career, and you do have to take that into account. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Torn labrum last year was a freak play. Um, He's had little injuries, but they haven't been the same thing. If it was he couldn't stay healthy because he kept hurting his knee, then I would be more worried about it compared to he just like gets these weird little banged up injuries. Like the torn labrum was only was the only serious injury. Like he rolled an ankle once and I, I forget, but it's always like something different. So I don't know yet if he's going to stay injury prone. Um, you know, if it's a guy that constantly deals with knee issues, he's probably going to keep dealing with knee issues. But with him, it's like all over the place. So I'm not too worried about his durability. He could absolutely get injured again. Like that is absolutely realistic. But that's just, I don't really think about it for that reason. It's just, he needs to get into shape. And then he needs to clean up the off ball stuff. And then if he's in shape, the on-ball defense should come back, and then hopefully he can find consistency on the offensive end. He still has upside, but um, the off-the-ball stuff, you can't excuse being out of shape. Like, mentally, he was he was bad last year, and that's when he was in shape. He comes into preseason. He has been the Blazers' worst off-ball defender the entirety of preseason, and that's, that's, that's not good because his upside lies in, oh, he can be an, a lockdown on-ball defender. He has that potential. He has the strength. He has the wingspan. He has the athleticism. He has the foot speed. He has the motor when he's in shape. Um, the problem is, is like, how are you going to guard Steph Curry and be the lockdown defender in the starting lineup where if the Blazers are going against the Warriors and he's the starting three and the lockdown defender, he'd have to guard Steph Curry. But then they're just going to run Steph Curry off the ball, and he's he has no chance of keeping up with the mistakes that he makes. And that's what teams will do with guys that aren't Steph Curry. You know, if you play, um, if he's guarding Zach Levine with the Bulls, they're probably going to run him off the ball if the book is out on him that he can't keep up with players off the ball. That forces you into switches to cover for him. All of a sudden, a guy like Zach Levine has a mismatch and he'll pick you apart. So that's the problem. You can be a great lockdown on-ball defender, but you also have to be an adequate, at least an adequate off-ball defender in order to truly do your job against star caliber players. And he's not even close to adequate off the ball right now. So that's the one thing that worries me because that's mental and that's just silly mistakes. Everything else I feel like you can maybe chalk up to. He's out of rhythm. He's rusty. He's not in shape. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is he's, he's never shown it, right? And is it one of those things where some people just aren't good defenders, right? Like we've seen that when you play, like, someone should be good on defense, but they're not. And I've played against a lot of good athletes, and I know that they're not good defenders, and I go right at them because it doesn't matter how athletic you are. When you play basketball, it's all about the skills, and you can get your spots. That's how you, that's how you can be effective. If I, if I said Nasir Little plays over under 60 games this year, what, what would you take over under? Probably take right around there. Right around there. I, I Honestly, honestly, I'd take the over, believe it or not. Knock on wood so I don't jinx it. But I'd actually take the over, which is probably shocking. I'm probably not the smart bet, but I, I, I don't know. I Like I said, it's a bunch of different stuff, so I don't know if he's going to get injured again. Yeah, just for, I mean, just for reference, his first of the years, he played 48, 48, and 42. So, you know, just going off of that. Yeah, you know, one, one of those... Be, 
see, well, here's here's what I gotta say. Let me let me say this. With previous seasons too, though, is a couple of them were shortened. Yes, so definitely. 42 last year is different than like 42 the year before. So because like it was what like 70 ish games. Yeah, it'd be like yeah. 47, 48. Yeah, something like I don't I don't know the math on the, on the top of my head, but yeah, like he hasn't. He's played at least half of every season. The problem is he can't play much more than that. I don't he's know, a, man. He's another guy that I I put in the category for the Blazers that I have to see it. I have to see it before I can believe it, man. And, it, it, like, it's him. It's Anthony Simons. It's Gary Payton II. Um, you know, it's those, I think those are the three main guys. I need to see it out of them. Play in competitive games when the games actually matter to show that they belong in this league. Like, I know that Anthony Simons can score, but he did it all last year in the games that didn't matter. Gary Payton II did it in, like, 50 games for the best team in the NBA. Nasir Little's never done it consistently. So I understand they all have potential, and I think they can all be great, but I need to see it before I can actually put a lot of stock in and say, okay, this is why this team is going to be really good. I can't I can't count on all those guys to be really good this year. Yeah, I mean, but that's what makes this season intriguing. <laughs> for me is there's there's so many things to figure out and it scares a lot of fans because it's like oh this team doesn't look good and they have all these question marks and it could go really really badly but I mean you figure some of these things out you could see a completely different team a month from now you know preseason isn't any indication last year the Celtics started 500 the first half of the season and we're in turmoil that whole first half and then turn it around and make the finals almost win a championship so should've that's the thing yeah. should have won a championship so uh, now they're in more turmoil for for other reasons um but you we don't know if they're going to figure these things out or not. I can't say they won't. I can't say that Nas won't find consistency and stay healthy and Anthony Simons will be that guy's the two guard, but they're not proven yet, so who knows? But that's what's going to make it fun. And it's very important because I think this team lacks depth. I know a lot of Blazer fans love the depth of this team. They think some of these guys are really good. I don't see it. I don't see the depth of this team. And if one guy like Nasir Little gets hurt or doesn't really live up to expectations that really limits a lot of what they want to do off the bench. So I think they need all these guys to really kind of outperform expectations to be a good team. Yeah. Um, any other players you wanted to talk about in terms of this preseason? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, real quick, can we touch on Nurk for a second? Yeah, let's, touch on, let's touch on your guy, Nurkic. I mean, okay. Nurk can be such a good player at times. But, man, why, why does he look really... And it's not that he's not in shape, right? We saw him playing for the national team. He's been playing this offseason. Uh, you know, we understood why he was out of shape last season. Uh, you know, the family issues, things like that. He got the pass and he should have, right? Like, there's more important things in basketball. And he kind of showed that last season that he didn't come into camp into shape. And it took him a little bit to get ready. But, man, this preseason, Tori, he has looked so bad. And to cap it off with the five fouls in the first half against the Warriors. Man, that... That four-year, $70 million deal, when they signed it, I understood why they did it. They sat him out. They they tanked last year. and They said, Nurk, take a break. We got you. We got the contract for you next year. But I was on the radio all the time talking about, I want them to I wanted to see him trade Nurk. I think it would be better for Nurk. I think it would be better for the Blazers. I think it would be better for everybody. I wanted Nurk to play for a playoff team, come off a bench, and be kind of a spark plug big that does little things and really thrives under, the, in that, under that pressure in the playoffs. It didn't happen. He stayed in Portland, and now the Blazers resigned him to a big deal. He, the way he plays is a slow, big center. That's not how the NBA has played anymore. He can't get out, and he can't guard people, and he looks a step slow to me. He looks a step, a step slow, and he was already slow to begin with. I think this is troublesome, man. This four-year contract, it's going to be hard to get off of if he's not good. I'm not worried about Nurkic, <laughs> believe it or not. This is how our conversations on Nurkic tend to go. But, um, but like, what, what have you seen? What have you seen the last last year and the preseason this year that gives you any type of positivity that this guy is, is getting back to any type of form that he had before the leg injury? I mean, I don't, I don't think he's really playing hard right now, to be honest with you. And I think a lot of the veterans are kind of just going through the motions, but. I mean, he's finished the ball solidly this preseason. He's shooting 59.7% from two. Last night against the Warriors, everybody said he sucked. He had 16 points on six shots because he got to the line 14 times and made 12 of his free throws. You know what I mean? Like, 
statistically he hasn't been bad. It's it's probably a lot of the defensive stuff, but I, I think he looks worse on defense when everybody else looks worse on defense because you see some teams in the league, they have that center that can cover for everyone and Nurkic isn't that type of center. So then it's like, oh, look, he can't, he can't protect the rim because this dude's scoring at the rim, but initially it was a breakdown on the perimeter by someone else. You know what I mean? Like, he looks like he's just kind of going through the motions, which doesn't look good and defensively he's like made some lazy plays and lazy fouls simply because I I just don't think he cares a whole lot about preseason so I understand why some people are maybe a little worried about him but it's if he if he struggles in the regular season I'll absolutely call it out if he's going through the motions of the regular season I'll absolutely call it out but it's the preseason man I'm not too worried he's averaging 14 points per game in 20 minutes like you would absolutely take that especially with the efficiency he's shown so I don't really know where the worry is based off his preseason this year well well, the worry is is you talk about him not caring I get that but you know what? He's shown during the regular season that he doesn't care and like he has lapses and games off and he takes plays off. And the way that Chauncey has been coaching last year and this year in the preseason puts a lot on Nurk defensively. I think Nurk is actually a pretty good defender. Like very IQ wise, he's he knows where to be. He gets to the right spots. He may not be quick enough or athletic enough to make the you know, make it like a great play, but he always makes a solid play on defense. But the defense is asking so much out of him, Tori, that like it makes it worse. And so then he gets in foul trouble and then they have no depth behind him. So like, that's the worrisome part is that like, he's making these mistakes already and he looks slow already. He doesn't care already. And the season hasn't even started. So like, what what's going to make him flip it back on? He got paid. He got his money. Like why, why is he going to say, all right, I'm going to start trying to be, be an all-star again. I mean, these, these guys don't care about preseason. Dame even said it himself after, after one of the games, he said, I don't care about the result. It's preseason. Like, okay, but it's, they didn't, you but know, they, but you they know, didn't, like, they didn't care about last season either, though, the regular season, Tori. We thought they would care at the start of the regular season. He ended his season care. last year. He ended his season last year playing some of the best basketball that he's played in a while when he didn't have guys around him that were making absolutely boneheaded defensive mistakes. And when he had guys around him that would cut and when the ball was moving, when they were playing Chauncey balls, we talked about earlier this episode, right before the All-Star break, Nurkic looked good. Tell didn't me, he? Tell, he did. Tell me tell me what was happening when they had Norman Powell and Robert Covington and all those guys and nobody was showing any effort. And after every game, Chauncey said, oh, well, the guys played hard today. I mean, that's you- good. Like I mean, if you're why, why, if why you're that? on your if you're on your rec team, Steven, like if you're on your rec league team and you are the big man and you I constantly am. have to make up for all your teammates' defensive mistakes and try and protect the rim and you're constantly being put in that situation and then you pick up a couple fouls because of that and then you have to sub out of the game early and then you have all these fans on Twitter that are like, Oh, he fouls all the time, he can't stay out of foul trouble. Like, wouldn't that tick you off like that if it was me man that would frustrate the hell out of me no definitely for sure he gets a bad rep i've said that numerous times he's a good defender but they put him in a bad spot because they make him have to recover for everybody else and he's not that defender he can be a good team defender but at the same time like he has shown inconsistencies in his play throughout his career so i don't understand like to say that like you're not worried about it well i guess i wouldn't be worried about him either because i know what i'm going to get out of him and that's going to be inconsistent efforts he's going to have those four games like you said at the end of the year where he had a really good four games then he'll follow that up with another five to ten games where he's bad then he gets hurt for a couple games and he comes back and he plays really well like i know what nurk is going to be is just i always want more out of the guy because before that leg injury i've said this numerous times like he was a top 25 top 30 player in the league like that's how effective he really was before that leg injury and so I always have that in the back of mind like man the Blazers need Nurk to get back to that spot and he's just never going to do it yeah I mean I think maybe the problem is is expecting him because he wasn't that great earlier in that season that he got hurt but right before that the like month before that he was phenomenal he was playing at such a high level and I feel like when he got hurt and then everything that's happened since then, people just remember that month before he got hurt. Like, that's old Nurkic. But they don't remember that two months before that, they were complaining about old Nurkic. You know what I mean? Like, he was he was still a little bit inconsistent before that. But 
Every center outside of the top four or five centers in the league is inconsistent. DeAndre Ayton, for as much as people love him, he has moments where he looks like he could be a skinnier Shaq, right? With a mid-range jumper, with more defensive mobility, right? Like, with the hook, like, you know, the touch on the hook shot, but then he'll... He has times where he'll be strong around the rim, finish hard whatsoever. Then he has times where people don't even know if he can dunk the basketball <laughs> because he won't dunk the basketball. And like, and that's DeAndre Ayton. He just got paid a max. I feel like a lot of people that criticize Nurkic don't realize it's just like every center outside the top five centers in the league is inconsistent. Doesn't, isn't at like these big guys takes a lot of energy for them to play basketball they have times where they're tired, where it seems like they're coasting, that sort of thing, compared to somebody like Damian Lillard, who's a lot lighter, um, and it's a little bit easier for him to play 30, 35 minutes. So that's the thing is, I feel like, I mean, just going back to the conversation that we've had before, there was not a better alternative option. $17 million a year is is not cheap for him, but I'm not going to worry about preseason with a guy like Nurkic. I think it's a situation where... He won't look good if guys around him don't pick it up defensively. He will look good and be engaged if guys pick it up around him defensively. That's the thing. So I think he's actually more of just a reflection of the style of play instead of the cause of it or anything like that. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess I'm not worried about it from the preseason because this is what I expect out of Nurk. Like, I don't expect a lot out of him. And I think that's the point for me is, like, that goes back. We've talked about this before. Like, philosophy is ability to team. I would rather just go with minimum centers or low-paid centers and treat them like running backs in the NFL, right? You have your blocking running back, your goal line running back, your pass catching running back, your between the tackles running back. That's what you kind of get with centers because there's only, a, you know, a handful in the league that you could really play at all times. And even then, like... You look at the best defenders like Robert Williams. Like he's so one-dimensional offensively, he's a he's a rim uh, rim runner and the lob catch. That's all he can do. He can't do anything else offensively, but like defensively, he can do so much stuff. Where with Nurk, it's like yeah, he's great at one thing, but he can't play defense at the same time. So it's like you might as well just mix and match at the center position and kind of go cheap. So just just go right in the middle. I think that was just another weird management move uh, from Joe Cronin. But you know that, that's for a different conversation. So I'm not worried about Nurk because of the preseason, but. It is what it is. Like, this is what he is. He's going to be inconsistent. He's not going to be great. And uh, he's going to be frustrated all season long for Blazer fans. Yeah. I mean, I think some Blazer fans will always get frustrated no matter how well he plays, man. He seems to have his share of uh, haters. You're not one of them. I think you're pretty reasonable in your criticism of him. But if I asked some of the people out there that are talking about how much they can't stand him, if I asked them, would you take... Him averaging 24 points and 11 rebounds per 36 while shooting 60% from two and 77% from the free throw line. Would you take that from him? They would say, yeah, that's great. He'll never do that. But that's what he's done this preseason. But then they'll critique it. So it just doesn't, sometimes it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Yeah. You know, again, I like Nurk, but I just, I, I think I know what he is and it's fine, but you need to have someone to compliment him and that it's not on the team right now. So hopefully Blazers can go and make a move. Yeah, unfortunately, they just don't have any insurance behind them. Yeah. Which is going to be a problem this year, I think. Who would you play as the backup center game one? Um, It's tough because, you know, Watford only played in that final game. You know, initially, I think it's Trent Watford, but, you know, I think just because of the unknown with the preseason, he may not be ready to go game one. It's got to be Drew Eubanks then. And I think I think potentially it's Trent Watford down the road, but game one, I think Drew Eubanks is probably that guy. Dude, I think... I think there's an outside shot that's Olivier Saar. I, I, he subbed I, in I, I and played that. with with some of the normal lineups before Drew Eubanks the last couple games. And that's probably to get a look for him. But I don't know, man. Like, I'm having a hard time figuring out what Drew Eubanks does well at the NBA level. I haven't seen enough of, of Olivier Saar, but I don't know that he's necessarily worse than Drew Eubanks. He's bigger. He could actually shoot a three ball. He was like 45% on 30 shot, 33-point attempts last year for OKC. Small sample size, but he knocked down a three in one of the preseason games and then shot another three that was dead on, just back-rimmed. So he can shoot. I don't know if he's a worse rebounder or worse at anything else. So I, I think he's... I like him on a two-way, and I he might get a chance. Yeah, no, I like... I like I, we talked about that. I like Sar back when he was at Wake Forest before he went to Kentucky. Like The guy's been around for a long time. 
Um, I think with Eubanks, you look at his NBA skills that he has. It's the he's explosive for his size, right? Like you you see him dunk a few. You see him going for rebound. I think he's a good rebounder. He's strong. I think it's the explosiveness and the strength are his two best qualities, which is kind of besides the explosiveness. Like Nurk, Nurk is really strong. Um, Eubanks is really strong, and so I think like that's why you could be right. Like Sar could be a guy that you put in that's different than Nurk. Right, Nurk and Ubix are a lot alike. Where they don't really have, uh, you know, they're not like super. Um, what the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, they can't do a whole bunch, right? Like they they do what they do. They do it really well, but that's about it. You know, I think Sar can step out and shoot a three, which is something that Nurk and Ubix can't do. So um, they're not versatile. That's what I'm saying. And so you know, maybe Sar could be that guy that you know is the is the sub to Nurk. I'm okay with that. I like that they at least got another guy with some size. The problem is, I don't know. I think the one area where Sar struggled in that I noticed this preseason, he struggles to rebound. And that could be a serious problem for this team. I'm honestly more worried about that. Or I'm as, I don't know if I'm more worried about that than than the defense. But that is worrisome to me because I think the defense is fixable mistakes. Whereas the rebounding... You just don't have a ton of good rebounders on this team. I don't think Eubanks is a good rebounder for a backup center. I don't think Sar is. I don't think Watford will be. Jeremy Grant's not a good rebounding starting four. You got Damon Ant, and they're okay rebounders for guards. But outside of Josh Hart, and maybe Justice Winslow, Yusuf Nurkic, what good rebounders do you have on the team? I think rebounding could be an issue. You saw a lot of second chance opportunities for teams at times during the preseason so that is definitely something to watch as well is can the Blazers rebound the ball because that's the thing is teams are already making a lot of shots off them but then you're also not rebounding the misses you're going to give up 130 points a game yeah uh I have a theory in the NBA Tori about rebounding I think it's the most overrated stat that is out there just like full rebounds because a lot for of an it, individual player yeah like all, yeah. a lot of it is just uh just positioning just how you're playing defense like when i worked with the blazers that's what you could tell is the way i was tracking it certain players are always going to be in the right spots and a lot of times these guys don't even go for offensive rebounds so they get these uncontested rebounds you know it's better just to watch you're right like rebound is obviously important as a team and the blazers were bad in the preseason and they have to get better but yeah i mean i think individually Anybody can kind of be a good rebounder. That's why Josh Hart is always at the right spot because he's always just so aggressive and they put him in the right spots and then he goes and gets it where, you know, you just look at these other guys, they're just not in. So, I, you know, I'm not worried too much about the rebound. I think it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, I think the defense is way more worrisome than the rebounding. Yeah. One thing we will have to figure out, because I still don't understand why Jeremy Grant can't rebound. I watched him for multiple preseason games and he struggled to rebound and I still don't know why. (laughs) It's just so, it's so weird. It's an enigma to me. So um, I'm going to want, in a future podcast, I'm going to want your answer as to why you think that dude can't rebound. Because everything about him suggests that he could this preseason. I mean, and in past years, we've seen that he's just not a good rebounder. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that's my my objective. First couple pre, first rank. Uh, first couple of regular season games, I will just watch a Jeremy Grant <laughs> on the on the boards, see what he does, and uh, critique it. I'll, I got you. Yeah, I, I just want I just need an answer on that because normally I can come up with an answer for almost everything. I need an answer for why that man struggles to rebound. Anyway, anything else you want to touch upon for this podcast? Uh, I just want to get one one quick prediction from you, Tori. Uh, you know, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, him and Rosillo and uh, House. They were all on the under of the Blazers, 39 and a half. Uh, I know it's not necessarily, you know, there's still time for the preseason. Things can happen. But uh, just your initial reaction right before the season. What do you think, man? Think they're going above that or under that? Over, under. Over, 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 over. Easy money, over. Easy. Even with all the problems they've had in the past, if they've had a healthy Damian Lillard, they've been at least a 500 team. So, uh, 39 and a half. I, I gotta go. Gotta go the over on that, man. Um, now, obviously, things can happen like they did last year, but don't tell me you're gonna take the under. Oh, I take the under easy, yeah. What, what's your, what's your, we'll get your win prediction next week. <laughs> and I, I'll give mine. Yeah, I just, I just don't think that defensively this is going to work. Uh, and the preseason kind of 
you know, solidify that for me. Like I, I wasn't high on the defense before. They've never been good. I'm not high on it after the preseason. I think they're a bottom eight, seven defense, maybe even six or five, bottom five defense potentially. So like to be a really good team in the Western Conference where the West is so stacked, uh, to get above 39 games, that means they're going to have to be about the eight seed. And I don't think that they're there. I think the West is too good. So I would say they're you know below 39. I think you see at least 10 teams in the West get 40 wins or more, to be honest. I think I think that's... Because th- here's the thing. Here's the thing this year. One final thing. The teams that are bad are going to be really bad because of Win Banyama. They are going to tank all season instead of half the season. Like, you're going to see teams be absolutely horrible, which means the teams at the top actually trying to make the playoffs are going to have more wins than normal because they probably won't be losing as much to some of these teams below them because they're going to suck because they won't. Victor won by because that dude's a generational prospect. So it'll be interesting to see how the standings and like the win totals sort themselves out. But that's also another reason why I go over on Portland is I do think there's going to be at least 10 teams in the West with 40 wins or more. I just think the West is so stacked, man. You look at last year, like the Pelicans were the nine seed at 36 wins and then the Spurs were 34 wins at the 10 seed. Like, I don't know that 36 is going to be the nine seed this year. That might be more than 10 seed, but it wouldn't surprise me if you're 39 and 43 and you're the nine seed because you got all these teams above you that are super good in the West that are beating you up. So, uh, yeah, the, the West is so strong, man. Yeah, I mean, I will say this. New Orleans started like three and 15 last year and sucked defensively all year, and didn't have Zion all year, and still almost won 39 games. So uh, I'm, I'm going I'm going over. I know a lot of Blazer fans are going over, but we'll see. We'll see, man. We'll have to, maybe, maybe we can figure out some sort of bet to put on the line um, and find, a, find an over and under number in between our predictions. But we'll have our predictions episode next week. I'm looking forward to that and seeing where you rank some of these other teams in the NBA. We'll touch a little bit upon some other franchises. You'll be able to catch that podcast on my second YouTube channel, Blazers Uprise Live, for the video version or on whatever podcasting platform you like to listen to for the audio version or on Believe.com. This has been the Believe in Blazers podcast presented by BetOnline.com. And that's a wrap. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next week for the start of the Blazers regular season. Until then, as always, peace out. Go Blazers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.